You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Oh, in the first hour we were open, it was just like shoulder to shoulder, standing room only. There, there was a beer angel in that building that day. We were going through beer so fast and all we had were these little, we, we were kegging in Cornelius homebrew kegs. Rolling around, 20 minutes before we opened, I was standing there in the back with the keg going, carbonate, damn it! Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Hope you've been having a killer week so far. I most certainly have been. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to rate and write a review of the podcast. Now, why do I want you to do that? Well, you have to imagine that when someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to, what do they do? They scroll down, they look at the ratings, they read those reviews, and if those reviews say that the podcast is amazing, that I'm a great host, that my guests are incredible, and that I ask insightful questions, well, perhaps you will be the person that helps sway someone's decision to become a brand new Vox and Hopshead, and that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I am very stoked to be bringing back the Vox and Hops Metal Brewer Talks. Today, I am joined by Cameron Kanachavati, the founder of Mother Earth Brewing. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 352. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with Cameron Kanachavati, the founder of Mother Earth Brewing. Uh, Cameron. How are you doing? Let's start with an easy one. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you, buddy? Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, no, I'm very, very stoked uh, that that you hit me up. And uh, this is something that happens sometimes that I get a message uh, via the website and I respond to everyone and I really try to, but uh, sometimes uh, it turns into something like this and I'm happy that it has. Uh, uh, Let's just, the shittiest question that will you know, go through tonight, the one that I like to start with, the one that I like to poke people with. Right at the beginning, uh, as do most people that ask questions uh, in interview settings nowadays, how have you been coping with the glorious years, plural, of 2020, 2021, and most certainly, hopefully not, most of 2022, how have you been dancing through these wonderful times? Well, I guess that's kind of a two-pronged question for me, because on one hand, there's the way that I've been personally coping with it and my family, right? And then we have, you know, our business as well, which is impacted in a, I I guess, uh, there's some overlap there, but um, in a completely different way. So on a personal note, um, I've always been on the on the side of just follow the rules, and so I don't know, man. I don't I don't like to get all political about it and stuff. I just whatever they tell me to do, whatever the the path of least resistance to freedom is, that's just what I want to do. <laughs> just get me the hell out of this whole situation. So <clears throat> that that's been uh, my stance personally. Um, the business. I mean, craft beer took a big hit. Well, I mean, a lot of things took a big hit. But, yeah, once they shut all the restaurants down and stuff, I mean, that's 50% of our business just vanished. So um, it was pretty crazy. But, you know, we're still here, and a lot of a lot of businesses aren't. So I have to be grateful for that. What What do you think ties into that? And this is a tricky question. Is it, is it certain businesses had more of a creative approach as to how to keep their customers engaged or was it more of a 
the location thing. I'm sure there's a lot of answers to this question. I don't know what the right one is myself there. Yeah, I think luck has a lot to do with it too. I mean, we just happened to be positioned. And so we were, we founded the business in 2010, right? That was like, we were just ripe. I'm sorry, the, the craft beer scene was ripe for us to just, we made it. You know, we, we just got in there in time uh, before it got really, really hyper competitive. And so we had a head start and, and we, we have some pretty substantial uh, distribution at, uh, play, you know, grocery stores and, and liquor stores. And so we've, we really leaned on that during COVID. Um, if you're the type of business that relies solely on, you know, a hand-to-hand -hand exchange of goods or services, um, like let's say you're a brewery, for example, that doesn't can their beer and yeah. you needed yeah, yeah. people to come in and a belly up room. to your bar. Yeah. I mean, that, that must have just been, I can't even imagine coming in every day and standing in an empty bar, just watching, like writing rent checks, being like, I'm host. It's, uh, you, you hit on a bunch of things that definitely, definitely, definitely hit the nail on the head. Having distro, uh, up, I spoke to a bunch of brewers and they were definitely, especially big breweries, people that were used to selling kegs to store to restaurants and stuff. They had to be much more creative and pump out way more cans than they would have into distribution than before. So totally. I had to be creative. I'm glad that you're okay. Uh, on a personal note, aside from the business, how, how did you cope throughout everything? Pretty well. I mean, I live in Southern California, so it's temperate climate. It's not like I was, uh, confined to inside, right? I, I have friends who live in Chicago that have, uh, you know, in Utah and you know, other places where they've got inclement weather. And when you're confined to the house with, let's say, two, three, four kids, <laughs> they they were like, dude, I just want to bash my head against the wall. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were pretty good down here. We just uh, hunkered down and I was able to work from home and, you know, listen to metal and drink beer and work and surf and do whatever else so it was it was great that does sound pretty good i i was very lucky that for the first summer in many summers i wasn't touring europe playing all the festivals which is super fun but you're missing all these i have young children so uh to spend those moments with them without the having to tell my bandmates basically that i want to take a summer off so so that was guilt-free but you know it's been a few years now so it's i'm itching to get back there actually that that's one thing that's one thing i will say about uh the pandemic and i know that this has been covered in popular media but i think um a lot of people and me included really had a chance to reevaluate the type of relationship we want to have with our kids and how much time we spend with family and i mean it was like a revelation i know for a lot of people you know, don't kind of don't sweat the small stuff. It's true. A hundred percent true. And, and appreciating these each little moments and each little um, growth that your family has is, is something that we were taking for granted. So and all the little small pleasantries such as going on tour and performing in front of a bunch of people, even though I'm, you know, I love it every night, but sometimes I'm not as into it. Now I miss it very much. Uh, I'm actually bringing back a very cool thing with you, uh, something that I haven't done since before the pandemic. I wanted to check before I sat down. I didn't have time. Uh, a metal brewer talk. So I'm happy that you hit me up to to motivate me to have more of these uh, a Vox and Hops metal brewer talk. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, talking about music, and talking about craft beer. Now, what beer are we going to be sharing virtually 
what beer do you have that we're going to be sharing tonight? All right, cool. Well, so right now I am drinking Wolf Mother Hazy IPA. We actually uh, released this like today. Um, it's not, it's not really out at distribution at all. This is the first time I'm having it. So, really? uh, cheers. Cheers to you. It looks, it looks delicious. Uh, on my side, I pulled out something from my cellar that beers don't normally live very long in. This is from Kanawaki Brewing Company. Uh, their head brewer, their founder, one of the founders, uh, Drew, uh, was a metal brewer. He's been on Fox and Hops before. Love them to death. This is from their fourth anniversary. It's called Hell's Gate. It's a barley wine that has been aged for 22 months in wild turkey barrels. Uh, it's going to be massive. It's got the hops, yeast, vanilla, water barley. It's going to be massive. I'm going to crack this, and I would love, love, love to hear about the very first beer that you ever had, your first beer that you drank. Do you remember that one? That I drank, not that we made, that I personally drank. Oh, boy. Oh, it's it's gonna be so shameful. I mean, it's gotta be like Tecate or something, just garbage. I mean, I probably shoulder tapped for it, for sure. Actually, it might've been a can, a 12 ounce can of MGD that I stole from my parents' fridge mm. and just sat shamefully in my closet <laughs> and drank like half and got wasted. <laughs> When I was probably 16 or something, I don't know. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, cheers to you. Thank you for hanging out. Yeah, cheers. Cheers to you. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Uh, Woo! This is boozy on the nose. 10.2% that wild turkey's really smashing through. And the vanilla, though. Very interesting. We do some barley wines from time to time, and yeah, they're up there. We have actually a series called The Four Seasons of Mother Earth, and every quarter we release a new big ass beer basically that's smart that's um smart. and some of them are wild some of them you know toasted coconut and and uh salted caramel and all types of stuff and they're uh this is sweet um it's the vanilla's kicking uh boozy um cheers to kanawaki brewing and drew and the rest of the crew amanda uh for their fourth anniversary long life to them and uh i had to have a big beer with mother earth brewing's founder let's keep going uh i'd like to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when uh, you were growing up in your parents or guardian's house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to they listened to your your garden variety soft rock whatever it was on now at the time in southern california it was cave 104 and coast 103.5 and that was uh you know amy grant and mariah carey and whitney houston and all that stuff and um so you know that's really all i knew and then of course i got to high school and all my buddies were like oh bro have you heard the new poison and i was like uh no have you heard the new lionel richie it's sick <laughs> and <laughs> so I, w I was somewhat insulated until I discovered, uh, that's my pup, until I discovered um, grunge in the, in the early 90s. And, that, and then that kind of, that sent me on the path to metal really. And, and then I went to, I graduated from grunge to punk, you know, stuff like Black Flag and Circle Jerks and Dead Kennedys, Descendants, all that type of stuff. And then I think I heard Pantera for the first time and was like, uh, yeah, I need this. That's a good path. I, my dad listened to Poison, so, so it was the opposite there. I remember 
finding his CD because we had like Columbia House back in the day, which I'm sure you know what it is, but some of my listeners might not. You would get this magazine that comes to your house and you would choose which CDs you want mailed to your house or cassettes even before that. So my dad my dad would take a chance on a bunch of hair metal stuff that he liked very much. Uh, uh, he wasn't so much into grunge, though. It's funny. He was probably from that mentality of the, the more hair metal that was mad at the grunge era, where whereas you went straight towards that into to basically skater punk rock or hardcore punk rock and then into Pantera. Do you remember your your first show, the first show that you ever went to go see? I do. Uh, my mom took me to see Alanis Morissette Jag oh, a Little Pill tour no when way. I was like 13 years old. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Taylor on drums, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, rest yeah, in peace. Rest in peace. Great, great fucking human right there. That's awesome. Do you remember that vibe of that show? Were you a fan, or was it more like uh, your your mom's thing, and you just went with? Oh, it? oh no, I was absolutely a fan. Yeah, because that was that was kind of the segue from pop to grunge. You know what I mean? It, it, I would put I would put that in the same category as like a the the way No Doubt found a way to bridge. Uh, pop and punk, uh, like like ska music and punk and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. You know, but she was hard. Like her lyrics were hard, uh, her performance were hard, and the shows were great. I just watched that documentary that they put out on HBO, I believe, um, about that time period of her creating that album and then touring it. They they were intense. So shout out to Alanis Morissette. <laughs> not yeah not not uh typically the uh show that i brag about the most when people ask but i'm i'm really glad you did <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i'd love to hear your your brewer story how did you go from stealing your dad's beer and drinking it shamefully in your closet at 16 to owning a massive massive brewery uh at what point did home brewing come in at what point did um or like let, let's take it slow let's dance dance into what is the beer that made you realize that beer can be fun? Ooh, yeah, my, my gateway beer, mm -hmm. huh? Um, that's tough. So I was actually living in the Bay Area at the time that I, that I kind of discovered craft. Um, and I would pick up stuff from, you know, b back then Trader Joe's was a really big player in like craft discovery because they had, that was one of the only places that, that I remember like mass market that you could get stuff like Mendocino beers, you know, like White Hawk and Red Tail and those in North Coast, uh, Red Seal and, and um, stuff like that. And, and back then, too, Blue Moon was considered craft. Mm -hmm. So it's one um, of that, that night. I know the night that I discovered craft. I've mentioned it thousands of times on the podcast. Um, Summer Slaughter, Atlanta. And we bought a six pack of Blue Moon and a six pack of Sierra Nevada. So, oh, yeah, absolutely solid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They, they were go to beers. And so, um, I kind of, you know, uh, cut my teeth on stuff like that, and then I and then I started <clears throat> diving a little bit deeper, going to some cool bars up there, beer bars. Uh, Toronado in San Francisco was one of my biggest influencers. Um, anyway, so I moved back down to SoCal, and my folks were down here, and, and I started exposing my stepdad to uh, craft beer. And at first, he was like, he was a wine drinker, so he was like, "Oh no, beer is beer is piss. I'm not drinking that." And, <laughs> Um, beer is the lower class liquid. <laughs> oh yeah, that, he he totally had that attitude at first, and um, and so I was like, listen, let's go do a bar hop, and I'll take you to some really cool places with good beers. So he dug it, and so for Christmas I bought him like a massive Magnum bottle of Chimay White and a homebrew kit, 
And so we popped that thing open, we started home brewing, and I mean, the rest is history. We, we got super into it. And then um, Sprint, who I was working for at the time, was announcing a bunch of layoffs. And uh, I mean, they were just hemorrhaging at the time. And so I'm just imagining 2008, that whole financial yeah, exactly. crash area. That's exactly okay. when, yep, yep. Uh, 08, 09. Wow. And they said, we're gonna lay off like 4,000 people. And they actually had the balls to say, if you don't have a family uh, and you can leave, we're asking you to just walk away with a severance package. So I called, <clears throat> I called Dan, my stepdad, on the other line, and I was like, this is it. Like, I, I don't have a mortgage, I don't have kids, I'm not married, we need to do this, it's now or never if we're gonna start this business. Wow, so you took that severance package and turned it into what Mother Earth Brewing became, wow. Yeah, it, it, it floated us um, while, while we got our act together and, and put our plan together, so. Isn't that crazy that something as big and as horrible as the, the whole crash of 2008 has totally pushed you in a completely different direction? Yeah into a whole new world something that is your passion it's weird how the world does that to us sometimes i know totally so that it just <clears throat> and then and then we got a, little, a really small building it's like 2200 square feet or something and we had 26 gallon stock pots in the back like Damn. behind the trash cans people yeah. would come in <laughs> We had lawn signs out in the street that said, like, brewery this way. Wow. And uh, the city took them down in, like, 30 minutes. But that was enough time. <laughs> Code enforcement was rolling around, like, you can't put signs up here. That was just enough time for the right people to see the signs. And then word, word of mouth, yeah. It, oh, in the first hour we were open, it was just, like, shoulder to shoulder, standing room only. Unbelievable. There, there was a beer angel in that yeah. building that day. We were going through beer so fast, and all we had were these little... We, we were kegging in Cornelius homebrew kegs. Amazing. Rolling around. 20 minutes before we opened, <laughs> I was standing there in the back with the keg going, Carbonate, damn it! I mean... <laughs> It was so ghetto. This is a movie. Right? <laughs> this is like a movie. There could be a movie about you, Cameron. Totally. And then that success. Totally. You're like that that guy that gets on stage and it's 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 packed. <laughs> there, there was no shitty show. The nobody. There was no the shitty nobody. show. You went yeah. straight to the full room. It's amazing. So from there it grew and it grew and it grew. Um, before we go into that, I want to touch on where you're at now and then how things have grown. Uh, you've mentioned some things that I want to dig into, but I want to talk about metal and beer. It's Vox and Hops. Why does metal and beer work so well together? And I think that you touched on something before that I imagine is a big reason why it is. And I think it stems back to those Pantera home videos. Yeah. I think that a lot of people grew up, especially in our age bracket, uh, that grew up watching those videos and seeing this is what metal is. Yeah. So you end up associating partying with metal with with drinking with with beer um what, what is your take on beer and metal well i think so let me clarify real quick i i'm going to speak to craft beer and metal mm. specifically um i think regular beer and or macro beer and metal i mean it's clear i mean, I mean a lot of people like macro beer but i think what makes uh what the reason that those two things craft beer specifically uh very similar is that it has a counterculture element to it, which I think um, 
metalheads really appreciate. Absolutely. I also think that there is a certain intrinsic um, value that it has in terms of even people that don't play an instrument uh, or that, let's say, don't even like metal. I have a lot of buddies who can't, they won't listen to it themselves, but they'll go, I absolutely respect musicians that, that play that style of music. Um, there's, it's kind of this universal respect that, you know, even non-fans of the style. And so people, I think, appreciate the nuance of it, uh, even if they don't necessarily partake in it themselves. Now, on the people, on the side of the people who do partake, magnify that times a thousand, right? They're just so passionate. Like, metalheads are really passionate people. And that style of music, it, it can be very emotional. And so craft beer also, although it may not seem like it on the surface, is like a form of expression. You're, you're kind of living through, you're living vicariously through the expression of the brewer, which is also like living through the artistic expression of a musician. And so maybe I'm going too far there, but that's how it makes me feel. No, 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 you're, you're right on track. Uh, and then culturally, obviously, they, they're pretty intertwined. You know, I, I know a lot of guys that uh, they may not be full-on metalheads, but when they get in the brewery, for some reason, it's, it's an energy thing. You know, it's that, like, um, groovy, uh, like, percussive sound that really, like, gets them into the mode of, like, creating and working hard, too. Because if you were just sitting down to like paint watercolors, you may not get the same effect from a metal track. But when you're stomping around in a puddle of water like a little kid, you know, making beer, I don't know, it just seems appropriate. (laughs) There's definitely like a community aspect of it, too. Um, Mm -hmm. being outsiders out of the mainstream out of the big markets Uh, the fans definitely associate to that you see another metalhead walking in the streets you tend to tip your hat depending on what shirt they're wearing depending on what age we are because as we're younger we're a bit more elitist but as we get older we understand everyone has their tastes and if they're a metalhead it doesn't matter which band shirt they're wearing <laughs> and it's the same thing in a craft beer bar if, if i'm in a craft beer i'm gonna make a friend because we we agree already on something so important that's a part of my my vital humanistic self and that's that craft beer is amazing so uh, there's a sense of community that's really interesting and also a similarity that I've discovered by hanging out with a bunch of brewers and knowing a bunch of people that work in the industry is the sense of helping each other out, knowing that oh, yeah, I'm missing this hops. I'm I'm gonna I know that this brewery down the road has excess citra. Let's say they'll say they'll give it to me and then I will get them back or something. It's the same thing in the band industry. I'm missing a band member let's say <laughs> and then we borrow a band member a, for a whole a tour. human you know but, but it happens can we borrow him for a show he's filling in for a show cryptopsy does it with with ollie pinard who's plays in cattle decapitation now so he's not available we're gonna get dom to replace him it's to say it's this community aspect that i think really ties metal and beer together in my opinion too as well yeah i would totally agree I, like you said the conversation starter alone i mean if I saw a guy wearing a PBR shirt on the side of the road, <laughs> I would never stop and, and be like, oh, yeah, they've been around since the you know 1800s or whatever. That's cool. Let's have a conversation. But 
if I saw a guy wearing like a cerebral brewing shirt, you know, out of Denver, I might be like, oh my God, I was just there at GABF like three months ago. And then boom, it, it leads to, you know, an hour long conversation. I love it. And, and same thing with metal. You, you know, like you said, you see a guy with a shirt on and all of a sudden my wife and kid are back at the pizza <laughs> shop and I'm in the parking lot being like chatting it up. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Let's dig back into Mother Earth Brewing. Uh, obviously much bigger than that first, uh, well, you said 2,000 square foot original space. Uh, now you have yeah. two places. You got Vista, you got Boise, Idaho. Uh, talk to me about expanding and why Idaho. That that one confuses me. Right. So, um, gosh, tell you about expanding. That's like a a <laughs> um, a long story. It feels like five lifetimes have passed in the last eleven years. I've had two kids. Uh, I got married. I've moved. Um, the pandemic, all that stuff. But anyway, um, digging deep, deep for this one. Um, <clears throat> well, let's start with why Idaho. Um, so we we went to Idaho because we were we were really on the cusp of like a major growth spurt, and um, Idaho is a very very rapidly growing um, place. Boise specifically is just on fire, and I think my stepdad saw that. Um, he had kind of had the foresight to see that it, that it was getting ready to do uh, what maybe San Diego had done years before. And so good on him for that. But also they, they I think, wanted to go to a place where uh, there was less populated, that they could retire eventually. And so um, that was one of the places that they went to look. Um, it, it all worked out very well because <clears throat> that state has really embraced us. It took a little bit, right? I mean, we were... We were like the Californians going to like pillage their lands for resources, you know, and so it, it's been it's totally different now. But I would say the first two years, the, the, that was the proving grounds. I mean, it, it was like, show us why you belong here. And so once uh, once we were able to demonstrate that we weren't just there to exploit their state, um, you know, half of our like management moved out there yeah oh they we, we were fully committed yeah uh dan my stepdad and my mom both moved out there full time so they live um just outside of boise and eagle and so we were all in uh, and so once people started to realize that then it was it was all good what was the 
acceptance from the other breweries already there in Boise, having a big boy like Mother Earth moving into their territory. Was it was and, it, and it's funny because we were just talking about the community and how open everyone is. So I'm curious how this ties together in reality <laughs> when they're coming to they're afraid you're coming to take their your, their clients away. It's hard to say for me because I'm still in SoCal. So I, I didn't I, you know, I'm probably not as uh, suited to speak on that as like Dan is. But from what I saw that all the times I was there, they were actually um, they were actually pretty cool. Um, like you said, I, I think, I think the, the commute, the brewing community aspect sort of superseded any of the resentment that, that was, uh, underlying from, um, like the residents of Idaho, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and I also think that there's a certain level, level of healthy competition that they were welcoming because they, and some of them even told me, uh, told me this, that they recognized that we were we were bringing a quality product from one of the most competitive uh, uh, markets in the country for beer. And so I think a lot of them thought, hey, bring it on, man. You want to bring San Diego beer out here? Let's do this. Uh, we're, we're doing our thing. You do yours. And there's room for everybody. Now, I don't know. Dan may have a different story. I have no idea. We actually haven't talked about that, which I need to. That sounds like good dirt. <laughs> that I haven't dug up yet. No, yeah. That's that's how my mind works. I apologize for that. Another thing that, another interesting question that as you were speaking, I, I've heard that the secret to the San Diego beer scene being so good and so vibrant early on was because the quality of water is, is there's something about it. There's the minerals in the water that's different than elsewhere in the world. So I'm curious, uh, moving brewing in 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 vista california versus brewing in boise did you have to adjust for that aspect different water sources so the second part of it to answer the second part yes we had to make adjustments absolutely um because the profile is different the idea that the water in san diego is better than a lot of places i would have to actually disagree with that probably some Um, san diego brewery that made up this myth I would say so. That sounds like uh, some snake oil stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's not bad water. I drink tap water, but um, I don't know. That's, that sounds a little bit. (laughs) I heard something about the minerals in the water or something because of the mountains, (laughs) but there's mountains near Boise as well too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the, the, the water, that that was one thing that definitely was a motivating factor is there's you know the the water situation in idaho is quite a bit different than california so because even here in montreal i've heard breweries that had to adjust from winter to summer because the water coming from the city in the winter obviously is much much colder so in the summer, oh, the yeah. water coming in is freaking hot. So they, it takes them way longer to cool down that water and get it down. And so when they're transferring, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge to adjusting. And then it messes with their recipes at the same time or how they treat each beer. I believe it. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. But yeah, totally. Hmm. Interesting. Um, another thing that you, you spoke of, you, got, you went straight into big distro. Now there's two schools of thought on breweries nowadays there's the big distribution grocery store route and then there's the hype um come to me 
you need to buy your cans from me. There's no distribution, um, limited releases, um, exclusive release events. Um, what, why did you guys go the more bigger distribution route versus the hype route? That's a really good question. We've, we've talked about this many, many times, and this is a question that a lot of, uh, craft breweries are, are grappling with now and will be, especially in the post pandemic era. Um, because do you, do you want to put all your eggs in the, like we were talking about earlier, the, the, the exchange basket. Um, I don't know that we really had, I'm sure there was a lot of conversation around it, but it just kind of happened. Like we're not the type of business or, or, uh, and like my family and I, so we're family owned, right? It's, it's my stepdad, me, my mom, um, my wife, my uncle, um, and my father-in-law. And, um, like when we were ready to grow, we, we had investments from, we did, we just bring in a new family member so we didn't have to go to, you know, an investor or a bank or anything. So a lot of the decisions we've made have really come pretty organically. Like they just kind of, I feel like in some regards, they just happen. Like we, we do what we feel is best at the time. And that kind of morphs into like a strategic plan. It's like, okay, we did this and it's working really well. So we'll continue to do this as long as it like pays dividends back. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of people have to sort of, they're at a crossroads, right? It's like, do we go this way or that way? Um, at the time we just started bottling and stuff to, to supply demand in San Diego. San Diego is such a thirsty place. Southern California in general is so, you know, um, just population dense. So you, I mean, how else do you get beer out to the people? You can't expect millions of people to come to your tap room and there's just too many choices, mm-hmm. you know, competition. So yeah, it is. Yeah. So we had to go, you know, we had to go out. Um, but I don't know that we, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that we've never been like a super marketing forward brand. You know, we don't, we're not the type of uh, brewery that just like dumps hundreds of thousands of dollars into like talking about ourselves or trying to convince people that our beer is good. Um, and so, you know, uh, doing all this like exclusive stuff just wasn't in our cards. I'm not saying it's the wrong way. I, I buy beer from breweries just like what you've described, but it just wasn't in our destiny. I think it sort of stems into the timing of your brewery too. I think that hypothetically had you opened, yeah. let's say in 2017, you might have rethought things, but back then it was the way to sell beer. Basically there was probably a handful yep. of people that were doing more of the exclusive hand, hand to customer release uh, system. But, uh, yeah, it was obviously working for you. And I, I'm, I'm always just curious to poke, poke that question because it's definitely happening here in Montreal and Quebec. You're seeing a lot of mad hype breweries doing crazy things and doing really well. And then there's this perception in the craft beer elitist enthusiasts, um, that if you're in a grocery store, then your grocery store beer and then untapped ratings will suffer because of that fact alone, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, some of the best beers in the world are carried in grocery stores. I, you know, but also, I just refuse to stand in line for beer. There's just too many good beers out there. I, I just don't, I don't feel, I, I'm speaking as a consumer now, right? I don't need to, I'm not going to wait four hours 
to to like fawn over you know some some like rare something or other when I can go to the nearest beer store and get something that I mean I don't know unless there's something I can't physically get any like if someone makes a, a beer with like some low grade blotter acid or something and you have to go <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can only go get and, it and it's that, only that, good you know. for you know 26 hours after they package it then it's then the, it's gone it's gone exactly once it dissolves it's gone. does that mean that when you're creating releases that you would never want people to wait in line is that something that would be important? Oh, for no, you? no, no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. If, I, if we had the type of brand that, that uh, would command a line of 100 people like sleeping out on the curb, I would welcome it. Okay, which, which definitely happens here, yeah, yeah. Do you know how much work it takes to manage programs like that? Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen oh my, my friends. Gosh. I've seen my friends grow many gray hairs in the past three years. And shout out to Masorum Brassatorium, which is exactly who I'm thinking of as I'm asking many of these questions because they are Montreal's most hyped brewery, and they are turning three years old in August, and they are the most hyped brewery happening just about in Canada right now. So. Shout out to them. Uh, let's dance into a collab idea. Uh, have you done a collab with a metal band? Um, I'll start with that question. If not, I got a follow up. We have not yet. <clears throat> we have not done a collab. Uh, we have had opportunities um, with some what I would consider to be very notable names in metal. The ch- I'm really glad you brought this up. This is like this like kills part of my soul every time I have to say no. The problem is that I'm really the only one in the family with this like, closet <laughs> passion, right? <laughs> and so bring, bringing like an opportunity like that to the table and saying, um, hey, um, we should make a beer called Mother Earth Goat Whore IPA. It basically everyone <laughs> in the family is like, oh, what? <laughs> no. Um, it's like non sequitur. So I, I usually don't, I I usually kill it. Now, unless if there was someone that had a much more neutral identity themselves, like, let's say, let's say, uh, some like instrumental prog band, like animals as leaders, for example, let's say animals as leaders wanted to do a beer and I could be like, Hey, Dan, you got to hear these guys. They're, they're just such sick musicians and they just want to do something and he would listen to it and be like, oh yeah, listen to that ripping guitar solo, let's do it. <laughs> but as soon as someone starts growling, he's going to be like, no, 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 it's not Mother Earth. <laughs> okay, so, so in, in, that, in his mindset, uh, extreme metal doesn't fit with Mother Earth. That's correct. Interesting. Yeah. If you could, if it, and, and no offense to Dan, if he listens to this, and I hope he is, um, if you could pick a band, your favorite band that is possible and a realistic collab because i can make things happen what 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 band would you like to make a collab with if it was just for you Ooh, uh man that's really tough i listen to so much different music okay um i'm if you ask me today just because of what i'm listening to right now I am like really, really heavy on the new Allegion and the new uh, Shadow of Intent. I think those are both albums of the year right now. Uh, you, you, you know they're my friends, right? Oh, are they really? <laughs> yeah, totally. Both awesome. of them. They're all Vox and Hops alumni. All of them. 
<laughs> I was I was just with Riley from Allegian like two, three weeks ago when he came through Montreal. We went and drank a beer together. And um, I know that Allegian wants a beer, and I know that he lives in San Diego. Dan, Dan, come on. And Allegian, but uh, you have to show him the new tracks where he doesn't scream. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the voice uh, of an angel. Well, well, yeah, he has. I think they they growl on every track, though. I, I, well, there's well, called home has a lot of cleans, but I think there's still. You just turn it off before. There's then. still some screaming. In turn it off before that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll just go mute, yeah. mute. And Riley runs a video game company, so so that's cool too. Oh no! You, here's what we need to do. You it, tell them that I need a copy. I need an instrumental copy of Damnum. Or oh yes, or also you know they also did that. Um, that Rush cover, which has no screaming. Oh, I haven't heard that. Yeah. I need to get on that. Yeah. Shout out to Dave Otero, who mixes them as well. Another Vox and Hops alumni, and he's killing it. I, I had Elysian, by the way, at my list of... So, fun fact, I used to do some reviews for Lamb Goat, just yes. uh, um, yeah. volunteer. And I had Elysian at the top of my um, metal release list for 20... I think it, the last one I did was 2018 for uh, Apoptosis or whatever. Talk to me about doing that. Talk to me about writing for Lamb Goat. Where, where did you find the time? How did that come about? Um, how did you get into that whole thing of writing about metal while running a very popular brewery? So j- just in the same way I reached out to you, I reached out to them. I, you know... Like I used the terminology like closet metalhead earlier. I feel like all of us are just like we just want someone to validate uh, like our taste in music. And sometimes I get so frustrated that I have so few people to share this like love with. There's so many people and, in South California. You, you need to get it. Oh, yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah, but they're not making kids lunches that you know. Yeah, I could I could go out to you know the local metal bar, but you know I'm I'm a 40 year old old man now, so so are they. I need but- to. you'd be surprised Um, (laughs) i'm sure i would so uh i just emailed them i i emailed them and said hey um i i can write pretty decently like both my parents were teachers and so i feel like i can put together a pretty sensical uh um uh, review album review and sure enough Dude emailed me like within hours and was like, "Actually, I could really use some help. I'm I'm overwhelmed, and by all means, you know, feel free to feel free to jump in." And so that was kind of the start of it. Um, but I, I ended up not being able to do it for more than about two years because, um, and maybe it was, it was even less. I'm not sure. Uh, it was so labor intensive. Like writing reviews is. I have I, I have total respect for people that like do, you know do that because a lot of them are volunteers. A lot of guys don't get compensated to do that, and uh, when you, when you write a number of them, especially when you have sort of like your signature voice, you find yourself repeating yourself quite a bit when when you're like trying to describe like very nuanced qualities of an album or music or whatever. And so I would sit there. I mean, it's the most painful process. I mean, I, so what, what I would do is 
I would listen to albums and then I'd move my favorites into a playlist. So I had them all isolated, right? And then when I would go to review it, I would listen to it in a number of different conditions. In my car, with headphones on only, uh, at my desk. So I had a, that way I could formulate an opinion uh, dedicated to it, distracted, different audio qualities, and, and sort of take like a, you know, a holistic approach to evaluating it. Uh, but then there's the writing process. Oh my God. Like I'd be Googling like uh, synonym for shredding. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of organization it takes to put something that like, cause it has to be coherent or no one wants to read it. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Vox and Hops album review crew. Um, Cameron feels your pain, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, how much of it was your decision to review, or were you being handed re- albums that needed to be reviewed? A little bit of both. I would say uh, I really want to write a review on this, um, or um, they would just kind of like feed me uh, releases a couple of weeks before you know it came out, you know, media package or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and s- some of them I dreaded. Some of them I dreaded. <laughs> is is there is there a review that you did? And <laughs> I don't know if I can ask this. Is there a review that you had to do that you wish that you could take back? <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of what, of what it was. The answer is yes, because I ended up ha- like I said, I have to listen to it so many times, mm-hmm. and every time I listened to it, I was like, I really don't want to blast these guys just because I'm like so fatigued. Like maybe there are some redeeming qualities in this that I'm like not hearing or seeing. I, I can't, I'd I have to go back and look. So I'm not gonna throw anyone under the bus right now. Oh, oh wait, I, I got one. Sorry, I'm gonna throw one. <laughs> We're obviously not doing a collab with these guys. Uh, uh, I had to review Into Eternity. Okay, they're back and you know they're back. I know, I know, and and, and the, the musicianship is great. I get it. I'm just, I'm not a fan of like the siren scream like style, um, and sort of like the fantasy stuff. And so, yeah, that was not the, my jam. that was the most painful review you had to write. <laughs> I, I I don't want to I don't want to say that for sure because there may be more, but I this that one kind of sticks out. Cameron, this has been amazing. I have one last question. Classic Vox and Hop wrap-up question. Um, it probably doesn't happen to you very often because, you know, you're making lunches for your kids and you're running a brewery you know, that has many two, two locations, massive distribution. Uh, you're a closet metal head. Uh, but every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Hangover cure? Uh, it's It's got to be a big greasy burrito there's just no other i mean i don't know that i've ever tried to hang over here that worked gatorade and a big greasy burrito that's it actually i have a better one uh i used to live with a guy who was a paramedic and he had access to IVs. No way. And that is the, uh, that's the honest truth. The only way you're gonna get over a hangover is if you can get someone to give you a big bag. And, um, and you put it in your the, veins or you drink it? You oh yeah. Oh no, 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 he, yeah, you, you gotta get an IV started. Intravenous, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have someone that can start an IV on you and get you hydrated, that is, uh, that actually works. Interesting. Right? The greasy burrito thing is just like a, 
a like semi-effective wife's tail. Like the the IV thing, like is medically what you should do. Very interesting. Three hundred and fifty interviews. First time I've ever heard the IV answer. <laughs> there you go. I'm here for you, Cameron. Thank you so so much for taking the time, talking to me about life, talking about metal. Talking about craft beer, this has, been, this has been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to come down, to hang out in the flesh with you, to enjoy some of your beers. I'm really, really looking forward to that. But until then, let's do a massive cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Hey, ma- massive cheers. Thank you. You're the best. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right today. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, I love Metal Brewer Talks. I got to bring them back. I'm so stoked that Cameron hit me up and that encouraged me to have this conversation, to bring back the Metal Brewer Talks. I love talking to metal brewers. I love talking to artists. And brewers are most certainly an artist in my mind. It's something that I absolutely do believe. They create beautiful things. They are constantly experimenting. They're constantly pushing the boundaries. And Mother Earth Brewing is absolutely doing that. This was a killer conversation. Mad, mad, mad shout out to Cameron for hanging out with me. I had a blast. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. And when you do that, you shall receive two emails a month that will contain all the details of everything that has happened recently in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You will get to see which episodes I've released recently. You will get to see which episodes I have coming up. You will get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. You also get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, has added to the Brutal Awakening playlist but not only that you will also be the first people to hear about any new projects i have in the works and i have a lot of them trust me there is just so much going on in the world of the vox and hops metal podcast i'd hate for you to miss a single thing so sign up to the mailing list the vox and hops metal podcast brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts i hope you have a killer weekend I will be back next week with two episodes yet again, one on Tuesday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.